I'll be more convincing than Mel Gibson when he apologized to the Jews. I'm really, really sorry about your big noses. I'm really sorry about how greedy you are. But most of all, I'm really sorry about your dirty, underhanded, backstabbing ways. Your number one dirty Jew fan, Mel Gibson. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're a podcast where we're just jerks who talk about other jerks and we get drunk. Uh, so now this week, uh, Nut Job November comes to an end, unfortunately. We will with... get down from our high horses and stop judging people. No, That's right. No, we won't. <laughs> yeah, we won't. We definitely won't. But, um, but this guy is worth judging because he's one of Hollywood's most famous complete psychopath assholes and it's Mel Gibson <laughs> it is the legendary Mel Gibson um this dude it's uh, I mean we'll get into it but it's it's really difficult to hate the man even though you know you should <laughs> I, want, I want to know because potential opener it will be maybe a quote from south park and for a while south park portrayed him as like a total lunatic i want to know what mel gibson thought of his portrayal on south park i don't know if he has any interviews about it or anything but i'm curious (laughs) i'm sure he doesn't because there's a most of him mel gibson's interviews were about either forced to be about whatever movie he was in or they kind of went off the rails really quickly (laughs) and they were about anything that they said anything a publicist nightmare would be but um before we get into all that we have to talk about what we're drinking so mike what you got all right so as promised we're doing a snake bite this week uh (laughs) so we're bringing back the the beach bee pineapple cinnamon and um i thought it was only appropriate to go with a beer that had a cross on the can. This is one I reviewed a little while back. Yep. It is Tom's Rivers High Cross Red Rye IPA. Yep, yep, yep. So, again, I liked the Tom's River beer. I liked the uh, ciders. Like They are mixed in the cauldron, and let's see. Yeah, it's got a nice little hue to it. It's really not a bad mix. It's pretty yeah. good. Nice. Um, so I know the the red the red rye was a it's a stronger beer and um, the pineapple kind of counterbalances it with some sweetness that makes it pretty good. Nice, nice. And uh, I, on the other hand, I went beer shopping today. Now I got a beer that's like local, and I'm going to use it next week because uh, last week when we did Chevy and Fletch. There is a specific beer that they drink that he drinks in that. And there's also a specific beer that Mel drinks as Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon. And it is Coors Banquet beer. <laughs> and so I got a six pack of the stubby bottles of that because, damn it, if I'm going to drink a dad beer, this is going to be the one I drink. Because for some reason, I just dig these, these, this beer. It's, it's not Coors Light, which sucks. And it's not like a Bud Heavy, which is too heavy sometimes. But it's just this. It's, it's, the, Billy, it's the Billy Zappa drink of choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If anyone that is a Cobra Kai reference, if no yep. one has watched it, it's of course. Well, it kind of goes with this because I didn't realize that the Coors Company is the Adolf Coors Company. <laughs> I didn't realize that that would play into our uh, anti-Semitic racist ass friend. I'm not saying the good people at Coors are anti-Semitic or racist. I'm saying that Adolf Hitler, probably a 
not a role model for Mel Gibson, I would say, but I don't think he disagrees with a lot of what he had to say. <laughs> so and that's, of course, this is all allegedly, if you don't listen to the internet's tapes that have Mel Gibson's voice itself talking in all that horse shit that, 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 <laughs> that stuff that he had. I mean, it's really hard because look, we talked about Shia LaBeouf, who is apparently just an intense drunk who who like just did things under the influence of stuff but at least realizes that he needs to work on things Corey feldman more than likely molested as a child traumatized child very much traumatized sexually abused as a child but just can't stop shooting himself in the foot nowadays trying to get people to realize that chevy chase i mean gary Busey, legitimately had a met a vehicle accident with a motorcycle that left him permanently brain damaged so yeah, his craziness is kind of medically induced. But yes, he's also a creep now. He's an old creep. Chevy Chase, just a jerk, apparently. He's just a real jerk to work with. But then there's Mo Gibson, who verifiably <laughs> is on rec- record on in audio tapes as being a racist and any Semite, a homophobe. <laughs> the man I is- love the Family Guy episode where they were like, that's as genuine as a Mel Gibson apology. And he goes, <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it is insane. Some of the shit that he has said, even going so far back, as to, I think it was in like the 90s. I think Barbara Walters interviewed him and was like, hey, blah, 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 you're something or other. And he was like, it's not up to us to know how many kids to have. That's God's decision. And everybody was kind of like, what? <laughs> Where did this come from, Mel? <laughs> but then, of course, he does Passion of the Christ and it all comes out from there. But then there's the audio tapes that he had with his ex-wife slash girlfriend in Is that where he says, I want you to give me a blowjob. That and then there's like the whole thing is like if you get raped by a pack of N-words, it will be your fault. It's like, oh come on, dude. <laughs> what the fuck, Riggs? <laughs> but then there's even the fact like he got pulled over, and this was in like 06. He gets pulled over. He goes on this rant about how the he finds out one of the cops is like a Jewish last name, goes on a rant about how the Jews run the world or something like that, calls one of the cops sugar tits. Like the dude is just and he apologized at his apology and all that. He's like, I was drunk and arrested and I was angry, blah blah. But still, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then there's just a lot of homophobia and a lot of shit about like there i mean i don't want to say he's a holocaust denier but he is very on the fence about how many people actually were killed in it and that's not something you can be on the fence about because we've proven it yeah (laughs) that's not like uh that's not a moon landing situation (laughs) that is verifiable proof that these people have been massacred this um and but through it all, South Park puts it perfectly. Where he's like, the man may be certifiably insane, but god damn it, the man knows story structure. Exactly. And that's the thing. You watch the Road Warrior, you watch the Mad Max movies, you watch the Lethal Weapon movies, you watch pretty much anything except for like what women want, because that movie does not hold up <laughs> at all. 
And then you watch the two movies of well, the, the other movie, because tonight we're going to be talking about Lethal Weapon officially. We've talked about it before, but this is an official one. And then we're going to talk about this movie he did called Fat Man. And it is basically a realistic version of Santa. And yes, he plays Santa. <laughs> but my God, and it's in like 2020. <laughs> so this is knowing all of the shit we know about Mel Gibson. Yeah. This movie gets released and it's still like, I, I enjoyed this damn movie and it's I, I was mostly because of him. I texted Ross and I was like, damn it, why do I like this movie? <laughs> exactly. Like, you should not like this movie, but it's him and Walton Goggins. You know, it's like Walton Goggins can carry this kind of movie, but you throw Mel in there as grizzled Santa and it's like, okay, it's it works. It, it absolutely works, but it shouldn't. <laughs> and the whole movie, I'm thinking about the killer song where it's... Um, the killer song, Don't Shoot Me Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, it's the Weird Al song, The Night Santa Went Crazy. You know, yeah. it's, <laughs> there's all kinds of shit in here. But the thing is, Mel Gibson is so damn charming. <laughs> the guy is so charming. Like there, I'm not saying he should have gotten as many second chances as he did. But, like, I can see, like... He can make himself likable. It's insane. It's <laughs> really, like, like, and I hate that he can do it. But the Mel Gibson can. that's on screen is so damn likable. He is such a likable dude, and it's it's almost Even like when he gets into like his like his torture fetish movies, like The Patriot and uh, and uh, oh god, Passion of the Christ. Well, nah, I wasn't specifically talking about Patrick. Braveheart. Braveheart is yeah. what I was talking yeah. about. But like, it's good movies that are torture fetish movies. Yeah, there's a lot of like realistic grief porn in there, but it's you know it was war, it was hell, blah blah blah. But you know William Wallace doesn't exactly survive the end of that Braveheart no. movie, and he doesn't exactly go out of old age. No. <laughs> so, but it's. But Mel Gibson off screen and apparently it's so funny because it's like Jodie Foster and Robert Downey Jr. are like the only two in Hollywood who are still like, look, this guy, he's got issues. <laughs> and he's like, he's got issues. But Mel Gibson was like for Robert Downey Jr. Mel Gibson was also the one that helped him get sober. So the irony is insane right there. And it's it's just kind of nuts that mel gibson even to this day even though fat man didn't exactly have like a blockbuster release during christmas it's still a fairly it's a well-made movie like it's not like steven seagal's current output (laughs) and it's pretty like original (laughs) for the most part yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there that you go if santa were real this is what he would have to do he would absolutely have to do it but we're getting ahead of ourselves because yes. we had to jump into Lethal Weapon first. <laughs> and, of course, it's directed by the legendary Richard Donner, who we talked about before with Goonies, and written by the legendary Shane Black. Now, this is the OG buddy comedy for him. Like, this is Shane Black's breakthrough yeah. buddy comedy. This is... I forgot. So this episode is going to be released on Thanksgiving. So, of course, we had to do a sneaky Christmas episode. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But it's... It's Martin Riggs is quote unquote trying to draw psycho pension. And that just tells you what decade we're in right there, because we are treating 
PTSD, we are treating mental health, and we are treating police and mental health with just the most cavalier, oh, he'll be fine. (laughs) He's just going through a rough patch (laughs) kind of situation. The the thing with this movie is consistently, they're like, yeah, this guy's unhinged. He has PTSD. Uh, There's certain situations he shouldn't be in. Can I put him in this, this situation you just told me not to put him in? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, just make sure he's make sure he actively goes into it. Like, if he tells you he's going to do it, just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if he's going to go up and talk to a guy who's going to jump and commit suicide, just let him go up completely unsupervised. <laughs> and absolutely let him do whatever he wants to do after that, too, when he damn near kills both of them. <laughs> he kills yeah. himself and the guy. <laughs> now, I, and again, we had a Mel Gibson's performance in this movie. The, he plays unhinged so well because he is kind of unhinged right exactly and it's it it's oh god it cracks me up because there's so much about this movie because this movie is is one of these sneaky christmas movies that you put on it's not so sneaky they go into a cop they go into a cop precinct and they're singing christmas carols well yeah but it's it's one of those it's one of those up for debate like is it a christmas movie chris non-christmas christmas movie kind of thing but because it's Shane Black, it pretty much is a Christmas movie because all of his movies are basically Christmas movies. Yeah, Shane but... Black loves Christmas. Exactly. And then there's, is this the first Christmas movie, probably only Christmas movie, to start with a half-naked prostitute killing herself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have to bet yes. I mean, we can't know for sure because <laughs> we haven't seen all Christmas movies. If ever. I was a betting man, and I am, it could be a problem sometimes. <laughs> right? I, yeah, I would, smart money would say that this is the only one. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, like Black Christmas, it might be the first one with someone getting killed on Christmas by a murderer. But this is the first one with a half-naked prostitute. <laughs> might be. Might be. Um. Yeah, Black, I was going to say, Black Christmas, Black Christmas kind of, I think, takes the same amount of time as this to kill somebody. You know, it's, it's in that they're being murdered. In this, it's a, it's a drug out of prostitute killing herself. If I'm being honest, I've never seen the original Black Christmas, but I, it's on my to-do list. But I, I just have to assume that that's... <laughs> Uh, I believe the original Black Christmas starts off. If I'm wrong, correct me. Um, I, I believe it starts I've off with someone it. getting smothered. No, I'm, this is generally out to our listening audience. <laughs> um, I believe someone gets smothered with like a dryer bag, you know, over their head, and they're left in the they're left in the uh, in the attic after that. I'm pretty sure that's how it starts. Like she, it's kind of like a phone calls coming from inside the house situation, and then uh, then she gets smothered, but um, or suffocated or whatever. But yeah, and <laughs> there's there's just so much. The saxophone soundtrack to this movie is so goddamn amazing. <laughs> there's so much saxophone in this movie. It's all it is, saxophone. And it's amazing. Every bit of it is so perfectly placed. It's you amazing. Think Clarence Clements wrote, <laughs> wrote it's amazing. Soundtrack. Like you can almost picture like a Clarence Clement or like a guy that was pulled out of like a jazz club, just being like forced into this booth and being like, look, man, here's what we got. We got a prostitute jumping to her death to start this movie. We got crazy white cop that's suicidal. We have a retiring black cop who just shaved his beard and everyone's making fun of him for it. 
give me the sexiest soundtrack you could come up with. And the guy was probably like, you know what? How long do you need? It's like, I don't know, two hours? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and then he just bangs out the craziest saxophone soundtrack ever put to film. You know what? My head canon for this is that it was actually shirtless saxophone guy from the Lost Boys who did this whole thing. Yes. My God, that would be amazing. <laughs> I still believe. <laughs> because in this movie, they show a top, like they go by a movie theater and it's like the top movie they have on there is the Lost Boys. <laughs> yep, yep, because this was 1987, I believe. Yeah, and Lost Boys, I think it was 86, maybe, yep. but, uh, or 85. But yeah, it's... <laughs> It's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. And then you just get the best one of the best. It's almost like a Beverly Hills cop introduction to Riggs's character because he's buying drugs from these guys in the middle of a Christmas tree like, shop. <laughs> They're like, it was the least concealed major drug deal you could come up with. <laughs> but right off the bat. Right off the bat, we get how charming Mel really is. Because when they say, I don't know, 100, and he starts, like, counting out the $20 bills, and they're like, what the fuck you doing, man? 100,000, 100,000. But he's like, no, guys, I'm losing I'm losing my count. And it's like, oh, Mel's trying to buy drugs, and he can't afford it. That's cute. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, he's a cop. <laughs> but it's And then, of course, that we get, we get his good old wild-eyed, you know, wild bemulleted rig stare, and it's we're off we're off and running and then we get danny glover the introduction of danny glover who i believe if i'm remembering correctly this is the one where it starts where he's naked in the tub <laughs> and his kids see him just completely butt-ass naked on his birthday because <laughs> there are no there are no bubbles or anything in this bed <laughs> and now, he just clear water <laughs> now i will say this is one of the only this is only one of the only movies i can think of where a catchphrase becomes cliche by the end of the movie. He says it like four times. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, he said he has to say it at least four times in this movie. And the other, but the other, the other, the other basically like, well, Riggs is catchphrase. And it's one that I wish had caught on. Every time they're about to go somewhere, he asks if he wants him to drive. <laughs> It's like, you want me to drive? <laughs> every time. And every time he says it, it just makes me laugh. And I don't know why. <laughs> Fucking no. I don't even want to, I, You shouldn't be handling heavy equipment because he's right. probably on cocaine right now. <laughs> right. But, oh, God. So good. And he's like eating. He's always eating something. And oh, it's just it's just funny. And And the whole movie, we are basically... We also trade to A, Mr. Joshua. Welcome back, Gary Busey. Um, and then we get Endo comes in, and he's also uh, he's also from Die Hard, basically same character, and it's it's amazing. This movie is just flat out. It's so good, and the it reason is. it is so good is because Mel Gibson is so goddamn charming. But he steals every scene he's in, and like everyone. Oh my god, when he when they have the gun to his head, he's like, "Shoot me, shoot me." <laughs> And when he pulls, like, puts it to his own, like, chest, yeah. and he goes, pulls it, and Danny's, like, telling him to pull it, and he goes to pull it. <laughs> and then he actually has to stop his finger for the bullet. Mm -hmm. And then the best is, like, he's like, you're not, he's like, you're not trying to draw a psycho bench, and you're legitimately crazy. And then Mel's reaction is, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> All right. And 
and then there's then there's there's a couple different lines that are great. It's one that's uh, Danny Glover has to um, Dixie, the the soon to be blown up prostitute in the beginning. It's all dressed up and no one to blow. <laughs> that's a good line. And then day later, Glover says, "God hates me." That's what it is. And Mel responds with, "Hate him back." It works for me, <laughs> which is so ironic because of how much money Passion of the Christ made him. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then if you just need if you just need one scene in this movie to just show like, again, like an alien comes down and says, show me how charismatic and charming Mel Gibson can be. Show him the shooting range scene. <laughs> and that's him just kind of like, it's like, boom. And then Danny Glover hits the target face dead center. And then Mel just like starts whistling that song. He starts sending the target all the way to the back. <laughs> yeah. And then he brings it all. All he does is he shoots his bullets. And he brings it all the way back. And it's just now a smiley face. And then the only thing that Mel says is have a nice day. And he walks out. <laughs> it's like this man could have said anything right there. And he says, have a nice day. And it's one of the he best. Said, I'm hungry ever. again. I, I don't exactly. He could have said anything, but it's like, it's because Mel Gibson is delivering it that makes you go, you know what? Fuck this guy. I love this guy. This guy's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, again, clear best part of the movie. And that's when you're opposite Danny Glover. Like, it's not really an easy task. Yeah. And especially like a 1987 Danny Glover. Like, he wasn't, he goes, nowadays, Danny's kind of like, he's not an old grizzled man, but he plays like, old men now like that's what he does which i mean they would like you to believe that he played an old man in this movie because you know he's too old for this shit <laughs> yeah right exactly but like in cop years he might be too old for this shit <laughs> but it's it's funny because he's only supposed to be in his 30s i think <laughs> yeah. yeah like realistically i think the age difference for these characters is like 10 years <laughs> yeah exactly like the age difference for these characters is less than the age difference between me and you right exactly yeah <laughs> And it's it's just wild. So let's see. We got here. We got 1987 minus 1946. All right. So Danny is 41 in this movie. He's a year older than I currently am. And as a cop who who is a cop in L.A. So yeah, they're exactly 10. So Mel Gibson and Danny Glover are 10 years apart. There you go. And so as a cop in L.A., I'm sure he has become too old for this shit. Like he's probably just been nonstop busy, nonstop threatening of his life, you know, forever in the LAPD and all that. But especially being part of like the homicide unit, it's gotta, it's gotta just wear on you. You know, yeah. it turns you into an old man. I bet what they do the amount of driving that they show in this movie is kind of funny. <laughs> it's like real realistic to LA, except for the lack of traffic while they're driving, but. <laughs> But yeah, like when they drive up to, um, they drive up to that one house where the girl, and it, it always, it's always weird because they never explain it. They never explain why the girl in the scooter comes out and like waves them into the house. It's like, yeah, go in guys, go ahead, check everything out. Like, is she supposed to be nice to get them in there to get them murdered? Like <laughs> she seems like she's expecting the police to come and then like, is waiting. It's like lunch is ready inside whenever you get there, you know? <laughs> Avoid the girls selling their underwear packing drugs. <laughs> and now, one thing I'm not sure, because, like, I've never seen them in that close succession to each other, but it's funny how much the other guys kind of takes from this movie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the only <laughs> difference... Like, in, like, a spoof way. <laughs> yeah, the only difference is, is that Will Farrell's character isn't 
black <laughs> you know yeah. it's um like it is it would be if like samuel l jackson was that was the will farrell character instead of the samuel jackson character that he is in the other ways but um but yeah i mean it's and it's the standard cop trope and they the, the buddy cop tropes and all that and they made it you know um they made it supposed to be supposed to be funny obviously and the shane black connection is there because he also wrote the last boy scout which Damon Wayans stars in and Damon Wayans Jr. is in the other guys <laughs> as one of the uh, as Rob Riggle's partner. But yeah, it's it's but this movie is really what sets that black guy, white guy, buddy cop movie trope into the into cement. And it's like, look, this is what you go by. And it's because Gibson and Glover are so good together, which makes those later sequels, especially four so sort of disappointed like two's not bad two's fine yeah. uh it's funny to watch mel having a wig at one point because i believe he did have short hair for whatever other movie he was filming um and then they give him the actual haircut i believe in three <laughs> but those movies just quickly just kind of go off the rails because they both start doing the i'm too old for this shit in like three i believe and in four that's pretty yeah. much what it's about and <laughs> four it is the fact that these two old men are still cops somehow <laughs> it's the uh they become the nursing home security right which is what it probably should have been but yeah i mean it's like when you get to take in four and Liam Neeson's like ah can't do this shit anymore <laughs> i don't care <laughs> i don't care that she was taken <laughs> you can keep her <laughs> is she still in the building <laughs> i'm not going preservation <laughs> right exactly unless she's still in the building i'm not going anywhere you can keep her <laughs> but it's and then i mean then of course there's the final fight between him and Busey in this movie and it's like see this is what Almost every movie should have, you know, yeah. should have a Busey Gibson Even fight if it of some makes kind. No sense realistically to do None. it. Just None. Do it. <laughs> there should be no reason why they are fighting on this run long. <laughs> but it is it is completely insane. And Riggs has given has given uh, Glover no reason to put his neck on the line to be like, Absolutely. let him let him fight. Yeah, yeah, no, just let him get it out. Let him get it out of their system. Kind of it's like, well, what if he kills Riggs? <laughs> uh, well, we didn't really plan for that. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, this is the movie that launched Mel. Like Road Warriors before this, but. And Mad Max was before this, obviously, but this is what launched him. And this is what gave basically gave him free reign to become the monster that he did <laughs> in the 2000s. I mean, Mel Gibson was untouchable. Now, I will say, not too long after this, I want to say within like five to seven years after this, you get Mel's, uh, Mel's rendition of Hamlet. <laughs> yeah, which is, is widely regarded as... One of the funnier versions of Hamlin, if yeah, not you, intentionally, so. You can say it's not exactly accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite accurate. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version, <laughs> but without those two guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not exactly accurate. Yeah. But that's probably enough about Lethal Weapon before we start going into our the lethal weapon diehard ricochet uh shared universe theory which i think we've already covered well enough in previous episodes which, but um can one of can that can Riggs 
eventually become Santa in that universe. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Martin Riggs is Santa. Jesus. But um that's pretty much what happens. He straight up says, You think I got this job by being fat and jolly? Right. <laughs> you think you're the first one to try to kill Santa, bitch? <laughs> right. And so yeah, before we get into Fat Man, Mike, how's your uh your snake bite? Doing good. I'm about halfway done. So I did two. The mixture is one 16 ounce high cross from Tom's River and two 12 ounce Beach Bee pineapple cinnamons. And it it came out to a pretty solid mixture. Nice. Yeah, it's got a nice like darkish gold hue. Yeah, it's like a nice amber. Yeah. And of course, my uh my cores, my cores banquet beer is uh excellent as it always has been since 19 19- 1847 i'm making enjoyed by billy zappa for 1936 that's right 1936 stubby bottle which is uh full of cores golden banquet beer it's a good shit and now on to the movie that we should not have liked (laughs) the movie that should not have been good (laughs) the movie that should have just been the most annoying thing ever but was the opposite this movie called fat man and damn it i loved it (laughs) i fucking hate myself for loving it but i did too i loved it too it's directed by these guys uh esham and ian holmes who they've done nothing else um then it starts off with the little this little shit kid who looks like a tiny Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Speaking of assholes. Yes. <laughs> and then Walton Goggins shows up. <laughs> and once those two showed up, I was like, you know what? I think I like where this is going. And that's when Mel comes in as a grizzled as fuck Santa Claus. <laughs> that's and so plot of the story. Kid gets cold for Christmas, runs outside yelling, you messed up, Santa, and calls out a Does like a Wrath of Khan yell (laughs) in his front yard. Calls out a hit on Santa Claus. Which is to be carried out by Walton Goggins, who as a kid was given the same treatment, I believe. He got cold once, too, um, or he just didn't get what he wanted. No, I think, so at one point, Mel Gibson has a line, he's like, you messed up, kid. He's like, I can do a lot of things, but I can't bring your parents back. So I think he has the dead parent treatment and was mad at Santa for not being a necromancer. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> but I, and I, well, the thing is, Walton Goggins is a hitman, but he is all now. He he's known as the skinny man. <laughs> he is also in the business of procuring toys made from Santa's workshop. <laughs> And he is basically like a pawn shop for those items. And the first thing we see him is this guy is selling him a wood baseball bat with, you know, made in Santa's workshop plaque on the bottom of it. And he gives him, what, like a hundred bucks for it. (laughs) And he puts it into like this, like trophy case or like this collector's unit, whatever. And it's kind of like, okay, what the hell is all this about? And then you find out that he kills people and it's like, okay, Walton Goggins is just A, phenomenal in everything. He's always great. He See the so, righteous gemstones. <laughs> that he was so 
like I love how nonchalantly he kind of walks in shooting up all the military guys, which I forget why the military guys are at Santa's workshop, but they are. The military guys are there because the elves are they're using the uh, workshop as a uh, military contract. Oh yeah, that's they're right. They're building they're building jet parts <laughs> because they can't afford to pay their bills because none of the kids are good anymore according to Santa. <laughs> so the output of toys is about a third of what it should be. <laughs> Which is funny because now we get into the thing where it's like, well, it makes sense how Santa's workshop continue operating, giving away free toys, you know, because um, they're a military contractor. They're essentially Lockheed Martin. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Yeah, he gets to that. They explain it as he's such a he's such a somehow he's like a stimulus for the economy and like his his image and all that stimulates such capital even though he sees none of it that to keep him from suing basically for that the government is willing to give him a stipend to stay in business and it's based off of the amount of kids who get toys and i'm not entirely sure how that is translates into like bankable money because santa is like you said mike giving out free shit that is not stimulating the economy is in fact doing the opposite if he does that it reminds <laughs> me of the american dad episode where it's like krampus gets captured and the uh santa's the bad guy they're like you just want or he's like you don't care if the kids are good or bad he's like no but i have stock in toys so i it makes sense he's like i want all these toys to be sold and then steve's like wait that doesn't make sense you give them away what why does that help the stock prices right exactly <laughs> and so either way so what really kind of gets going is that this this christmas was particularly bad because it was half of what the previous year's output was. So the government only gave him half of what that should, what the previous year's was. So Santa being the proud Santa that he is uh, and grizzled Santa kind of like he's over it basically because the kids these days, essentially. Uh, but the military offers him this contract to be able to fund him for basically the rest of the year. And it's like a two month contract where they have to build the elves have to build jet parts. And yes, he still has magical little elves. <laughs> yes, they eat nothing but sugar. <laughs> That's my favorite lines in this movie are when they're talking about the diet. <laughs> the diet. Like, you know, exercise and uh, a balanced diet, proteins, fats. Proteins, well, carbohydrates and whatnot, and whatnot, yeah. He's like, maybe it wouldn't be deformed. <laughs> and now we've be... come to the conclusion that just a high sugary diet is what we need. That's why we live much longer than you. Right. Yeah, it's the sugary diet. They work nonstop. Twenty minute naps. <laughs> they take little bursts of power naps here and there. But yeah, I mean these things should be dead. They should be flat out dead. <laughs> Just exhaustion alone. But no, apparently their little elf blood runs on sugar and lack of sleep. So but it's and it's so funny because while that is such a great idea because yes that's what sando nowadays would have to do if that's the kind of business he ran he'd have to become a government contractor you know but what it's really cracks me up you also have uh 
So, like, you get things from other movies, like, kind of concepts from other movies, like um, Santa in the Elf, the reindeer aren't flying as much, so he needs the engine to supply Christmas cheer. There's the episode of Family Guy where they go to the, where Brian and Stewie go to the North Pole, and it's so polluted, and the elves are, like, deformed. They're inbred and deformed, yeah. The reindeer are cannibalizing them. (laughs) Yeah, they're monsters and all that, but, uh. But with this, you get an idea of how hard it would be for Santa nowadays, because when he goes out on Christmas Eve and he goes to deliver the toys, he comes back with a gunshot wound (laughs) because it apparently (laughs) kids were just firing shots wildly into the air. And two of them happen to hit him. <laughs> and of course, since he's magical, he does get injured and bleed, but he does heal. <laughs> still... cool, the thing in the movie, which I have no idea how the guy actually moved his leg enough to do it, is when he has like the shoe blade that stabs him from the back. I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, you have to like tear your ACL in three places and bend your knee the wrong way in order to get that kick. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like a knife blade or whatever, but uh, it's one of like triggered ones that yeah. like, like flip out but yeah yeah one guy is they'd have to have extraordinarily long legs if he was gonna have to pull that off and just right <laughs> off the bat have to bend 270 degrees yeah it's a weird uh kind of a weird angle but um but then there's <laughs> then there's just the fact that walton goggles walton goggins is skinny man is accompanied by this hamster the whole time <laughs> He basically robs a pet store (laughs) to get this hamster like the shit that he needs. But here's the thing. We're led to believe that that hamster has been around forever. (laughs) So that hamster has seen some shit. (laughs) And I kind of want the side movie where Walton Goggins and the hamster go on hits. (laughs) That's what I... I want to see Santa's arsenal. Like, what guns does he have? He has to have some, like, cool old ones. Like, you got to get, like, a Smith & Weston in there or something. He's probably got that, like, Predator 2 gun. He's got that, like, 1753 gun or whatever. But, and that's the thing. Santa has been attacked before, apparently. (laughs) We find out that Goggins is not the first to come after Santa. People have tried and failed before. So... Is it because he's immortal and can heal, or is it because he's got bodies strewn around that workshop somewhere? <laughs> is it because he's the most efficient killer since syphilis? You know, what? <laughs> also, before he gets stabbed by him, he's like, "Enough, stop this." So I wonder if he lets him go. Like, if he could talk some sense into him, if he lets him go, because that would be the Saint Nicholas thing to do. And we do get, and it's funny because we don't get a lot of it but we do get it. There's a scene where Santa goes to a bar mm-hmm. and he sits down at the bar and he's about to look at his check from the government, which he's expecting to be huge and blah, blah, blah. Well, there's this other dude at the bar sitting there and, he's, and the bartender, this, this woman's hitting on him and it's the female bartender. She's hitting on the patron, male patron. Um, apparently Santa has known because he's Santa. He knows everybody. And when this woman is hitting on the bartender's hitting on the guy, whatever, she walks away. Santa moves over to the guy basically like sits next to him like stares him down from like an inch away and then just starts to do like the give calls him by his name he knows everything about this guy he knows his wife and kids all that shit and he basically says he's like now she may not 
treat the bonds of marriage as sacredly as she should, but you had the opportunity to, so just leave and we'll be good. And essentially the guy's like, what? He's like, look, man, he's like, get the fuck out and I'll buy your beer. And the guy's like, okay. So he leaves. The woman comes back out and she's like, she looks at Santa sitting back in his seat and she's like, where'd he go? And he's like, oh, he left or something like that. She, and she looks at him like this. You did it again, you son of a bitch. Like, I was trying to get laid. <laughs> and you fucking cock-blocked me, you asshole. <laughs> it's like, look, man, I know you're saying it all, but I got to get, I got to get fucked, you know? <laughs> and you're killing me with this. <laughs> That's... God, you'd like to think that they actually just, like, have a bar at the North Pole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's not technically the North Pole. It's North some. It's, like, North, like, Creek or something at, yeah. like, in, like, Northern Canada. It's still in, like, a habit of, like, a, like a place where people actually live in Canada, you know? Which but, I do love the concept of Santa being a regular at a bar. <laughs> exactly. And that's what he would become if he had to live as Santa in this goddamn world. <laughs> He That's, would become a hobo and like a drunk at a bar, you know? Also, there are multiple shootouts in this movie, and I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, the whole sequence of the guy showing up in, like, his white coat, killing the soldiers, having the shootout in the factory, then having the shootout with Santa is just great. <laughs> yeah. And it's just knowing that it's not the first time either. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's like, I'm sure if someone had, like, like a Ridley Scott set design mentality, you would see previous bullet holes in the wall yeah. and all that. You'd see other like patches of things, like parts of the plant where they're trying to put it back together from the previous attack or whatever. But then, <laughs> then there's my arguably my favorite scene in the movie, and it happens at the end because it, it was kind of like a trade. I wanted the little Alec Baldwin shit to die. Like I yeah. wanted him to die. And when Santa comes back to him, and, and Mrs. Claus drags him out by the ear. Mrs. Claus drags him in by the ear. But Santa comes in with his eye covered because he's been shot through the eye by Walton Goggins. He's been stabbed. He's got that eye patch on and everything. And he sits down and he's got this look, this that intense Mel Gibson look. And you just know that this kid's in for something. Well, then he starts to basically be like, look, if you ever harm another living soul again, I will come for you. And Mrs. Claus unwraps his like head and his completely shot up eye and like missing eyes right there. And he gives like this kid a death stare yeah, and he gets, boy. and he gets real terrifying. And it's like, yeah. Oh my God, Mel Gibson might actually kill this kid. <laughs> That's, now I want a sequel like Santa as a vigilante where he's like, I'm going to be more uh, hands on with the, I was too reactive. I need to be more proactive. Exactly. It's like, so what it's is Santa he vigilante do? where it's like, instead of Batman, Santa comes down and cracks some skulls of some guys trying to mug someone. It's a fucking John Wick, man. It's <laughs> fat man, John. It's like Santa John Wick, but it's like fat man too. colon the naughty list <laughs> where, where he's just going through fucking murdering children, like unfixable children or threatening to kill them until they like uh, do right my god <laughs> but it's still a movie i want to see for some reason <laughs> fat man to the naughty list fat man to stocking full of coal exactly it's like jesus and the 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 worst part is the worst part is mel gibson again 
so goddamn charming in this movie. <laughs> Even as grizzled as fuck Santa. There are times with him and Mrs. Claus where he's just kind of like, he becomes like a human being. And you're like, oh my God, Mel can actually act still, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's still got it. <laughs> yep. It's like all the racism and anti-Semitism. It, didn't, it hasn't taken that away from him. <laughs> and of course, I do like, like, like story-wise, I like the little side bits where he explains to the two guys that show up uh, to the barn where the reindeer are. They basically show up and they kind of threaten Santa. And they're kind of like, hey, man. And he looks at him. He's like, look, I know who the fuck you two are. I'm blah, blah, blah. You're blah, blah, blah. And whatever. And then it's funny because he drops this little nugget that apparently Donner and Blitzen will eat your dick. <laughs> They will straight up eat your dick if they get the chance. <laughs> it's like, now, wow. <laughs> oh my I don't remember God. which reindeer is Rudolph's dad. Right, exactly. It's like, what is going on? Which here? reindeer is Rudolph's dad? Because he seems like a real dick. Like he seems like he'll he seems like the type of reindeer that might take a chomp. Yeah. And it's uh it's just like this movie should not work. It should not work. I remember seeing this, like the poster for this and the trailer for this when it first came out and going, this might be the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And now having actually seen it, it kind of is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, yet it's so well done. Yeah. <laughs> and not not in like a, this is a Scorsese movie kind of well done. You know, this is like a, a competently made movie. And I, I know it was because of Goggins and Mel. They're sitting there like, look. This is dumb, but we're not going to let it look dumb. Yeah, we're going to make it. We're going to make it watchable. <laughs> right. We are not going to let this be a failure. And this, is, I mean, it'll be a failure because it's going to go straight to video. But what cracks me up is, and it's it's a line that. So Donner, I believe, is Rudolph's dad. Oh, nice. Of course, yeah, makes sense. But there's a line that Goggins delivers in this, and it's it's done with such like authority that it kind of gives like like creating it gives like a little bit of credit to the fact that mel and walton probably didn't want this like we're not gonna let this thing fail and it's when walton Goggins comes out after he's killed like he's blown out the workshop i believe and he yells i've come for your head fat man <laughs> <laughs> just the way he yells that i was like that should not that's like a funnier dies kid yeah. that is not supposed to be in an actual movie <laughs> which i mean it's great that it's those types of things that makes this movie like it's like fun it's fun <laughs> right like when he's threatening the girl like because the little the little kid the little alec baldwin pays walton goggins to um threaten the winner of the science fair because little alec baldwin's won it the last three years He's, he expects to win the fourth because he's a little entitled little shit. Well, this other girl gets it, so he puts a hit out on her, and Gog Goggins goes over and basically, like, kidnaps her, brings, brings him to this kid's house, and he threatens her with a car battery, which doesn't make any sense because usually you threaten people with car batteries who have testicles to hook that battery up to. She doesn't have Not that. Santa's balls. <laughs> right. But Goggins takes her home after she agrees to do whatever, to give up the, the say she cheated and had her parents to help her too much and all that. Goggins sit there and he's in the he's in the he's in the car with her hands her back her phone. And she he goes, Look, 
I know you're not going to say anything because you're not going to tell anybody anything. He's like, you're going to tell your mommy, your daddy, your brother, your sister, whatever. He's like, you got a dog? He's like, yeah, I got a dog. He's like, what's the dog's name? He's like, he's like, he's like Jojo Beans or whatever. And he's like, look, you tell anybody, I'll kill your mom, kill your dad, kill your brothers, because I'll even kill old Jojo Beans. <laughs> and what he says, I will even kill old Jojo Beans. <laughs> I just had to start laughing. I was like, that is only, there is only one actor that can deliver that line. And it is Walton Goggins. <laughs> now, I want to know what little... Alec Baldwin does because like Walter Geigen is a pretty competent hitman like, like he took out all the special forces people at the pole like yeah. I want to know how much this kid's shelling out to have him kill Santa well he's a little spoiled little rich piece of shit you know and it's it's all mommy and daddy's money and all it well it's actually no it's all his grandmother's money who's sitting there whatever she is and and then I, I do love at the end, she finds out that uh, she gets the call from the accountant, like, hey, there's a lot of shit, a lot of money missing for some random shit in your, uh, in your account. And she's like, I want you to kill whoever it was that did this. And it's like, ooh, <laughs> Nana's got her own little history going on here. <laughs> Nana might have her own grandson murdered. That'd be pretty great. <laughs> Fat man, be- too. Grandson murdered. <laughs> and then you got to go, like, how, how does Santa feel about the grandson <laughs> I think he'd be into it. He'd be fine with it, you know, because that little shit deserves it. But again, it's it's a movie that anyone else, it would suck. It would be terrible. And I'm trying to think of like, I don't know. It would go a totally different direction. But Nick Cage as Santa in this. Yeah, it would be different, though. It would be very it would be more it, comedic. It would be, but almost not so intentionally you know it'd be like half intentional half not and it'd be the nick cage-ness of it all is what would carry it like it would make it work but i'm not sure it'd be as good right and what you'd what you'd remember it is as is nick cage being santa Mm -hmm. you wouldn't really remember it as santa is a grizzled old man who hates it's like has to work for the government hates children now because they suck Oh, by the way, Santa's also played by Mel Gibson. You know? <laughs> You're remembering the story on this first before you remember who's actually playing uh, uh, Santa. Whereas with Nick Cage, you'd be remembering the Nick Cage-ness of it mm-hmm. then the movie second. But yeah, and it's, it's, that was almost two years ago. We're coming up on it being 2023 soon. And Mel Gibson, I can I I'm saying now in a movie of 2020, I enjoyed Mo Gibson in the movie. And He's it's still there's still something there. Like there is it's crazy. still it's crazy. There's still juice in that orange. It's crazy because and you know someone somewhere is waiting for the day because it doesn't happen often nowadays. In the 90s, it happened a lot. Early 2000s, it happened a lot. You got your redemption. You got your redemption arc, and people let you back into Hollywood. Look at Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Not not too much happening like that nowadays. Usually, you're you're it's one strike and you're out, or one perceived strike and you're out. Uh, so, like, there's things you can come back from, like Robert Downey Jr. having a bad alcohol and drug problem. You can still come back from that, but saying something racist, homophobic, that's much harder to come back from in the court of public opinions. Exactly. Like, a drug addict, people can go like, "Oh, he got clean. He turned his life around. Good for him." But that's the thing, though. I don't think nowadays, with the internet being the trash pile that it is, I don't think people on the internet would look at that. They'd be like, oh, yeah, he got clean, but look what he did while he was on drugs. And people wouldn't be like, look, it was the substances. You know, now he's clean. He is a different person. It's like, no, no, no. But look what he did before that. It's like, 
you're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing the point that he realized that was a problem and got better for it. You got to let him move on, you know? <laughs> but Mel said a lot of abhorrent shit. <laughs> and yeah, he still kind of goes every now and then. I don't know if you can get better from that type of stuff. <laughs> it is, yeah. He He's really kind of relegated to doing the fat man type of movies like these are going to be sleeper he type of can't movies. lead a blockbuster anymore no and they're going to try at some point they're going to try to do old man lethal weapon five and just that's just because uh that's how bankrupt hollywood is nowadays i mean we got we got harrison ford's corpse coming out for indiana jones five you know it's what are we doing <laughs> what are we doing we killed Han Solo. We need to kill Indy too. I'm, I hate to say because I love Indiana Jones, but we need to kill him. <laughs> he needs to yeah. die. Those Nazis got to go at some point, and so does he. But Mel, yeah. But for for me to see Mel Gibson in a movie in 2020, uh, as, as Santa, a movie where it should be put the Christ in Christmas, but it is not. No, it is full blown Santa killing people. It's Even all about doesn't technically kill anyone. Mrs. Claus does that. Yeah, right. And it's all the it's all the capitalism of Christmas. Like, and that's not even the focus. The real focus of Santa's hatred is the fact that kids are get these kids these days suck. <laughs> it's basically you know, what it is. <laughs> it is. He's absolutely right. <laughs> they do. <laughs> but and of course, I'd be pissed too if I didn't get any likeness rights from all that shit from Coke and whoever else that were plastering my face all over everything. But it's it's wild that the Mel Gibson, the asshole of assholes in Hollywood, and he is still able to be in a movie. And I'm still able to go, you know what? Motherfuckers got it still. <laughs> Dude still got it. <laughs> I hate the man off screen, but on screen, Mel's got it. <laughs> I can't deny that shit. He's still there. Yeah. And as such, that brings an end to our nut job November. So, Mike, why don't you take a second and tell people where they can already find us? For streaming pleasure, you can find us on not your streaming pleasure, just streaming pleasure. Just streaming pleasure. That's it. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere you can get your podcast from, thanks to Anchor. Um, you can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at Facebook, all happy hour film podcasts. Go like all our stuff, go subscribe, go message us, go leave comments, do it all, do it all. Right. Do everything. God damn it. Yeah, it takes a second for you, but it helps us a lot. That's right. And uh, so this rolling on as it usually does still, we do have more content every Thursday for y'all. And that means we're going to into a new month because Nut Job November is over. Last couple years, we have focused on Christmas. We have spent the month of December talking about Christmas. Last year, though, we did do a little bit of best of the decade. That was kind of thrown in there a little bit. I don't think we talked about Christmas much, but before that, we did our non-traditional Christmas movies, and then we did our uh, non-traditional Christmas, Christmas, whatever, and then uh, we did something else. I forget what the fuck we did, but we've talked about christmas a lot now we're only going to do that one week this week and we're going to do it the week of christmas and uh if you don't count this episode <laughs> that's of course yeah if you don't count this but we will next be doing some straight to streaming stuff for december because as it happens in december movies come out nowadays we don't go to theaters anymore we just stay home and watch but these are the straight to streaming movies none of these movies as far as we decide to do our research and our research is usually half-assed as it is 
none of these movies have had a big theater release where we're going to do them in genres. We're going to start with horror. We're going to go to action then comedies. And then we're going to do on Christmas. We're going to do some lifetime movies. And we really are going to need those three weeks to ramp up to that because that lifetime week is going to be fucking rough. Be terrible. <laughs> a lot of white people live loving Christmas and green and red sweaters. A lot of but, successful women being convinced to move back to a small town because of a handsome guy with what I have to assume is a big dick. An enormous magical penis. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's magical. If anything, it's gotta be magical because there's no other way this bitch would give up her life to be with this moron, you know, but we will figure that out when we get to that four weeks from now. But next week, we do have a, a horror straight to streaming uh, uh, week where we will be talking about The Ritual, which you can find on Netflix, uh, Fear Street 94, which you can find on Netflix. And then there's the the movie that everyone right now seems to love to be talking about, the inspiration for the sequel. We're just going to be talking about Terrifier. We're going to be talking about Art the Clown and Terrifier. And having recently just watched this and that and the sequel, it will be doubly fresh in my mind. I don't know about Mike's history with the, that movie, but uh, we will. Not not a big history, though. My friend did meet the Terrifier at a recent horror convention in Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, apparently, he's a he's a great he's a great little mime. I can say that he's he's great with the mime because Art does not speak. <laughs> Art is famously the anti Pennywise. He's black and white as opposed to being colorful, and he does not speak at all. And uh, but we're going to talk about it because everyone wants to talk about it. And that's how we goose clicks and listens to this, this podcast. You know, we got to talk about what people are thinking about. So next week, when we talk about some horror streaming, we uh, will kick off the month of December. Right. Until that time, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. I'll see you guys next time. So long.